I'm not going to belabor the time. I want to read from Job chapter 23, read verses 8 through 10. Job 23, verses 8 through 10. This chapter, Job 23, it begins with Job in a time of great distress in his life. And he starts the chapter by wishing that he could find God in order to present his condition to God. He's looking for God, desiring to be able to plead his case with God. But he said in verse 8, look, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. Then he says in verse 10, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. I want to talk to you here this morning about relentless hope. Relentless hope. I believe God is going to do a work of hope in this house. And somebody is going to leave this house with your hope intact. Relentless hope. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for your power, your presence, your anointing in this house. God, I ask you for the next few moments to give me your words, to speak to the hearts and minds of your people. We pray now with apostolic authority. We bind every hindering spirit. We bind every spiritual obstacle. God, loose your anointing in this house because where your spirit is, there is liftings. Where your spirit is, there are healings. God, where your spirit is, there is hope. God, saturate this house, anoint your word, and we'll be careful to give your name the praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. As Pastor Meyer said a few moments ago that my family, my parents were missionaries in Liberia, West Africa for some 33 years. And many of you who've been here for a while, you're a bit familiar uh, with, with my family, a little bit familiar with our story and some of the testimonies that have come out of our time on the mission field. But for those who don't know, we, we went through uh, during that 33-year period, we were missionaries there was a 15-year civil war that broke out, and my family was involved with that war at various times, and a great many testimonies have come out of our time in that war. And, and I believe the last time I was here, I talked a little bit about uh, the waterbed that saved our lives when we were trapped for 17 days, and we had uh, rebel forces in the backyard and government forces in the front yard. And for 17 days, we were trapped there in our home and, 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 and just... Well, surrounded by some of the most dangerous people walking the face of the earth at that time. If you've ever seen any of the documentaries that they've done about the wars in Liberia and just how inhumane uh, the treatment was and just how many atrocities were being committed by fighters on all sides. We were in a, a precarious situation for 17 days straight. And in those 17 days, there were so many miracles that I could talk about, but it was a miracle, for example, that neither side ever really did come into our home. It was a two-story cinder block home, and it would have made sense for somebody to come into the home and use it as a vantage 
vantage point during the fighting, but, but nobody actually ever came into the home to try to use the home as a vantage point. And, and it was a miracle that when some soldiers did come in, one day soldiers did come into our home, but it was a miracle that they did not do the unthinkable things that they would normally do when they come into a home to get money and get things, but they just took some money uh, and they left. And people who know uh, what those soldiers were doing at that time, they recognized that that in and of itself was a miracle. I was 13 years old at this time. I was the oldest of the children that were there. And uh, at 13, I really was not fully uh, able to appreciate just how dangerous, just how grave uh, our situation was. But uh, that was in part because I was 13 and I just really did not have a, a grasp as to what uh, our predicament was. But it was also because of a strategy that my father used uh, throughout those 17 days. Throughout those 17 days, we were forced to lay on the floors and stay below uh, the window levels. But I remember every day and most, most, uh, uh, almost all day we would lay there and my father would have us playing board games and, and different games. And that was in part to kind of give us a distraction. But, but more importantly, what my father was doing during that time was uh, he was keeping meticulous records as uh, to who was winning the games. And, and he always let us know before we played a game that we were playing for a specific prize whenever we got out. It was always whoever, whenever we get out, whoever wins this game is going to get this specific. And he was keeping track of, of who was winning what whenever we got out. And, and now as an adult, as a man, as a father, I can place myself in my father's shoes and, and realize just what it would feel like as a man uh, laying there on the floor with six of my children uh, between the ages of four and 13 and understanding the predicament uh, that we were in. We were in uh, an unthinkably dangerous situation. But, but what I appreciate about what my father uh, was doing with the scorekeeping and uh, talking about what we won when we get out. Uh, the older I get, the more I realize what he was really doing. Uh, I recognize now that he was instilling hope uh, in us. Uh, he was instilling a hope in his children. Uh, and we were just young enough to believe uh, what my father said. Uh, he said we were going to get out. So we believed uh, every day that we woke up uh, that we were going to get out. Uh, and every single day what he was doing was uh, taking our attention uh, off of the circumstance. Uh, he was taking our focus uh, off of the things that were happening around us uh, and he was redirecting our focus uh, to what was going to happen uh, whenever we got out and and there was something in us uh, that began to say uh, it doesn't matter what happens uh, we're coming out of this uh, we're surrounded by machine gun fire uh, but we're coming out of this uh, there are explosions every day uh, that's rocking the house uh, but we are coming uh, out of this uh, he was instilling in his children uh, that there is a hope uh, of tomorrow uh, the dictionary definition of hope is the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best to look forward to with desire and reasonable confidence this hope is an optimistic state of mind that's based on the possibility of positive outcomes I was reading a while back where Dr. Neil Burton, a British psychiatrist, he says whenever he got a new patient, the first question he would ask them was what they hoped for. And he says that if their answer was nothing, that they hoped for nothing, then that was a sign of depression or perhaps something even worse. Hear me when I say that hopelessness is a dangerous condition because it opens the doors to many other conditions. 
And when you see the present as dark and bleak and when you don't believe that your present circumstance can change or ever will change, it can take you to a place of abject helplessness where you begin to feel like you can't help yourself and that no one or nothing can help you in your circumstance, that not even God himself can help you. And it can also take you to a place of worthlessness where you begin to look around, compare yourself and your circumstance uh, to other people uh, and you began to feel inferior in yourself and you can be stuck in this cycle of hopelessness and helplessness and worthlessness and that's right where many people are in our world today because of all the voices that we're bombarded with with all the news on the world scale and all the news uh, on the national scale and all the news uh, on the local scale. And then uh, you factor in all the personal uh, personal conditions uh, and situations uh, that you've got to deal with. Uh, and you can get to a place where uh, everything can seem uh, so overwhelming uh, and you can feel like your condition uh, is beyond hope uh, and beyond help. So in this atmosphere in 2020, there were 1.2 million suicide attempts in America alone. This is what happens when people begin to accept that there is no hope and that there's only one way out of their situation. Uh, let me stop here and say that if that's where you are in your struggle right now, if that's where you are in your walk, in your life right now, you need to act right now. You need to reach out and talk to somebody right now. Don't be bound by shame or fear. Don't be bound by guilt. Uh, don't be bound by the lie from the enemy uh, that you're the only one dealing with this. Uh, you need to act uh, right now. Uh, if that's where you are in your life, hear me when I say uh, I've not come this morning preaching uh, a message of condemnation. Uh, I'm preaching a message uh, of conviction uh, that there is help uh, in the house this morning. Uh, that there is hope uh, in the house this morning. Uh, that there is a way of escape uh, in the house this morning uh, that there is a hand uh, that can reach into your situation uh, and pick you up uh, from where you are uh, there is hope uh, in the house i feel the holy ghost in this house i don't know who i came to preach to i don't know your situation i don't know your circumstance uh, but i've come to free preach uh, a fresh confidence uh, into somebody's spirit uh, there is hope uh, in the house uh, this morning When David wrote Psalms chapter 3, he was in a difficult situation. He was the king of Israel, but the Bible says that his son Absalom had turned against his father, and he turned the hearts of the people away from his father David and turned the hearts of the people towards himself. And Absalom would build an army to come overthrow his father. He built a superior army. He got the majority of the people to turn against his father and he led an army to Jerusalem to defeat his father. And David understood the situation. He understood that they were more against him than with him. And so the Bible says that David and, his, and his, the rest of his household, that they ran for their life. They ran uh, away from the, from the, from the throne. Huh? And so in Psalms chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 3, uh, when David finds himself uh, in this situation, uh, 
David says, Lord, uh, how they have increased uh, who trouble me. Uh, many are they who rise up against me. Uh, many are they who say of me, uh, there is no help uh, for him uh, in God. Uh, but then he goes on to say in verse 3, uh, but you, O Lord, uh, are a shield for me. Uh, my glory uh, and the one uh, who lifts up uh, my head. What I like about verse 3 is that when you read what David said, David was not asking God to become a shield for him. David was not looking at his situation, recognizing how bad it was, uh, and saying, God, uh, can you please become uh, a shield for me? Uh, no, David uh, was just uh, stating, uh, just confirming, uh, just reaffirming uh, that God is uh, his shield. Uh, he wasn't asking God now, uh, become a shield, uh, but he's saying, God, uh, you've been my shield, uh, and in this situation, uh, you're going to keep being uh, a shield. Uh, other people looked at my circumstance, uh, and they said, there's no help for me. Other people looked at my circumstance said there's no hope for me in God. Other people looked at my circumstance and said God must have forsaken me but I know better. God you are a shield. You've been a shield in my life and you're not going to stop being a shield. You've been a help for me and you're not going to stop being a help. Many are they who rise up against me but greater is he. She greater is he that is with me uh, than they uh, that are against me. Uh, God, you are uh, my shield. Uh, uh, Somebody, that word that's translated as for in verse 3 is better translated as around or about. And so that verse should better or could better say, but you, O Lord, uh, are a shield uh, around me. I believe somebody in this house uh, ought to just take a few moments to review your testimony. Somebody who's going through a situation right now uh, ought to just take a few moments, uh, review your testimony, uh, remind yourself uh, of time after time uh, that God proved himself uh, to be a shield uh, around you, uh, that God proved himself uh, to be a help, uh, and then just remind yourself uh, that the same God uh, that did it yesterday, uh, the same God uh, that brought me out yesterday, uh, the same God uh, that came through yesterday uh, is still God. Uh, You've been a shield uh, and you're going to keep being a shield Uh, oh there's some testimonies in this house there's some witnesses in this house Uh, uh, because you got to understand that biblical hope is a bit different than that secular uh, definition I read a few moments ago because biblical hope is not just rooted in optimism It's not just rooted in wishful thinking or rooted in my desires, but the Hebrew word for hope is closely related to trust. And it's a word that's used interchangeably and translated as both, sometimes hope, sometimes trust. Uh, It's a word that means to trust uh, and wait uh, with expectation. Uh, This hope that I'm preaching about here today uh, is not centered uh, on my optimism. Uh, This hope that I'm preaching about here today uh, is not centered uh, on what I see uh, or how I think things uh, might be able to work out. Uh, But this hope is rooted uh, in my trust. Uh, It's rooted uh, in my trust in God. Uh, My trust uh, in the word of God. Uh, My trust uh, in the promises of God. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6 
6 says that it is impossible for God to lie and so we have a strong consolation and we can lay hold of the hope that's set before us and then it goes on to say that this hope is an anchor for our soul. Is there anybody in this house who knows that you need an anchor? Is there anybody in this house who's tired of being pushed around to and fro? Is there anybody in this house who needs to be able to stand your ground? You've got a hope. The word of God is true. It's impossible for God to lie. Uh, Psalms 146.5 says, Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Uh, Romans 15, 4 says, uh, for whatever things are written before, uh, were written for our learning that we, uh, through the patience and comfort uh, of the scriptures, uh, might have hope. Uh, says in uh, verse 13, uh, now may the God of hope fill you uh, with all joy and peace uh, in believing that ye may abound uh, in hope uh, by the power uh, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 29 is a letter of both instruction and prophecy to the people of God who found themselves in a bad situation. They were in captivity in Babylon. And the prophet writes to them in Jeremiah chapter 29. And throughout that chapter, God first, he gave them instruction as to how to live, how to survive, and even how to thrive in captivity. It's amazing that God did not write to them and tell them that you're coming out today. But God sent them a word on how to live, how to survive, how to thrive in spite of being in captivity. I'm not bringing you out right now, but I'm going to show you how you can thrive in captivity. But before it was all said and done, he did make them a promise that one day they were going to return to Jerusalem. And so he said in verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I'm so glad he doesn't leave us without a future and a hope. I'm so glad he can say, you might not be coming out today, but there is still a future and there is still hope. You might have to go through uh, a little bit longer, but understand uh, there is a future uh, and there is hope. Uh, I'm not going to leave you uh, without a future. Uh, I'm not going to leave you uh, without hope. Uh, so we read in our text from the life of Job. The Bible says that Job was blameless and upright. That Job feared God and shunned evil. Job was highly esteemed and is believed to have been the most wealthy man in his entire part of the earth. But then Job lost almost everything. He lost all of his children. He lost all of his many possessions. He was left in extreme mental and emotional pain. And then the Bible lets us know that he then found himself in physical pain. He has sores that covered his body from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And he could find no relief from these sores. Then his wife told him to give up his integrity, to curse God and die. Then his friends began to tell him that he must have done something evil to find himself in this predicament. 
and he should have to repent from the evil that he done and maybe God would have mercy on him. And so Job is facing all of this all by himself. There's not one encourager in his corner. There's nobody patting him on the back and telling him that he's going to make it. And so Job would agonize in his conversations with God. He would agonize in his conversations with himself. Job said he wished that he had never been born. He was in constant pain, couldn't even sleep at night. So we read in Job 23, when Job is in this predicament, and he says, look, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. I wonder if anybody knows kind of how Job is feeling in that moment. If anybody's ever been there in pain, in loss, in discouragement, despair, struggling with depression, and it looks like you're all by yourself and that you can't even find God in your circumstance that nobody stares with you and it seems that no matter where you look, you cannot find God in your situation. But then Job goes on to say in verse 10, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. There's a distinct psychology to that final declaration. I shall come forth. Sometimes you got to talk to yourself. Uh, Job is in the very depths of pain and despair and depression. Job looks around and Job knows that he's all by himself. And Job is acknowledging, I can't even uh, see God uh, in my situation. Uh, but in spite of all of this, Job has uh, a relentless hope. Uh, in spite of all of this, Job has uh, an unyielding hope. Uh, in spite of all of this, uh, Job has uh, a blessed assurance uh, that one day uh, I'm coming out of this. Uh, I shall uh, come forth. Uh, I'm not going to die in this despair. Uh, I'm not going to perish uh, in this predicament. Uh, I'm not going to suck come to this situation I know it doesn't look like it right now but one day I'm coming out of this she, uh, I believe if you never establish a firm conviction that you're coming out it can prolong you from being able to come out but there's got to be a relentless hope an unyielding hope in your spirit I, doesn't matter what it looks like today. It doesn't matter what it feels like today. I'm coming out of this. It doesn't matter what anybody else says about my circumstance. I'm coming out of this. It doesn't matter if my friends say it's all my fault. I'm coming out of this. It doesn't matter who all says I need to curse God and die. I'm coming out of this. But you might as well be all the way like Job and say I'm not just barely coming out. I'm not just barely going to survive this. But when I come out, I'm coming out as pure gold. When I come out, I'm coming out stronger than I've ever been. When I come out, I'm coming out with more anointing than I've ever had. When I come out, I'm coming out with more passion and more purpose than I've ever had. I'm coming out as pure gold. My God. 
I'm coming out better. I'm coming out stronger. I'm coming out wiser in the name of Jesus. I'm coming out. I'm not going to look like what I looked like when I went into this. I'm coming out better than I've ever been. She. Uh, uh. Uh, she, my God, uh, uh. Well, somebody ought to just take about 10 seconds and just talk to yourself. Take about 10 seconds uh, and prophesy to your situation. Uh, I'm coming out of this. Uh, I'm coming out of this. Uh, I'm coming out of this. She, my God, my God, uh, So Job said, I can't see him in my situation, but I know I'm coming out. I've got to tell you in all honesty how many times I've read the story of Job and really kind of quit reading and paying attention really at verse 10. I would read this about Job saying he's coming out. and Then I just would kind of rejoice about that statement of faith. But a little, little while back, I, I began to, I continued to read this, this text in its context. And I began to realize that the very next verses, verses 11 and 12, give us the basis for Job's hope. That when Job said, I'm coming out, it wasn't just him whistling in the graveyard. It wasn't just him trying to give himself a pep talk and, and maybe try to positive affirmation as I'm going to come out and, and, and he really didn't know he was going to come out, but it was just a, some court, sort of statement of optimism. But I began to realize the reason why Job could say with so much certainty that I'm coming out is revealed in the very next verses. Because in the very next verse, in verse 11, he explains how he knows he's coming out. He says, my foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. What are you saying, Job? Job is saying, let me explain how I know that I'm coming out. I know I'm coming out because my foot has held fast to his steps. I know I'm coming out because I didn't, I didn't stop walking in my situation. I know I'm coming out because I've kept his commandment. I know I'm coming out because I didn't give up. I know I'm coming out because I kept moving. That's how I know I'm coming out. He says, I might not be able to see him now, but I can see his steps. I might not be able to see him now, but I know his way. And I know if I keep walking, one day my soul is going to look back and wonder how I got over. If I keep walking, one day I'm coming out. Ah, uh, my God. Uh, uh. Job says, I know that he knows where I am. I know he knows where I am because I've kept his way. That's how I know he knows exactly where I am because I've been walking in his way. He knows exactly where to find me. Mm. Well, he's going to find me in the house of God. 
He knows exactly where to find me. He's going to find me being faithful to his word. He knows exactly where to find me because I'm walking in his way. Uh, my God. Uh, preaching here this morning that what substantiated Job's relentless hope was Job's relentless walk. What validated Job's relentless hope was Job's relentless walk. In the face of despair, he kept walking. In the midst of depression, he kept walking. In spite of the loss, he kept walking. In spite of the pain, he kept walking. In spite of the discouragement, he kept walking. When everybody turned away from him, uh, he kept walking. When people pointed their fingers uh, and speculated about him, uh, he kept walking. Uh, that's what kept the hope alive, uh, the fact that he never uh, cops up walking. My God, can I tell somebody in the Holy Ghost, don't stop. Don't stop. You might not always feel like walking, uh, but don't stop walking. Uh, you might not always understand uh, where you're going, uh, but don't stop walking. Uh, you might feel uh, like you're all by yourself, uh, but don't stop walking. Uh, and one day uh, you're going to walk through uh, your situation. Uh, I don't know what you might be walking through this morning. Uh, everybody in this house uh, is walking through something different. Uh, I might not know everything uh, that you're walking through, uh, but I do know uh, that there is hope uh, in the word through. Uh, I do know uh, that there is promise uh, in the word through. Uh, you might have to be like the psalmist David uh, and walk through the valley uh, of the shadow of death, uh, but don't stop walking. Uh, and one day uh, you're going to come through uh, because when the psalmist, uh, when he talked about where uh, he was going to live, uh, he says, I'm not going to live in the valley. I'm going to walk through the valley. But then he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I might have to walk through the valley, but I'm not going to stop until I get to the house of the Lord. And that's where I'm going to live. She. Uh, my God. Uh, my God. Uh, I'm getting ready to close this morning. Uh, but we live, we live in troubling times. There's no question we live in troubling times. There's no question that we have to walk through troubling situations and circumstances. There's no question that there are problems all around us. But the Bible lets us know that that was going to happen. In 1 Thessalonians 5, the Bible is talking about these very end times says the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them and they shall not escape. But then the Bible goes on here to say that we are not in darkness. Those of us of the house of God are not in darkness. And so that day will not overtake us. When the Bible says in verse 8, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. The Bible talks about all the things that were going to happen in the last days. Destruction, a cry for peace and safety. But the Bible lets us know that in the middle of all of this, 
that you and I have protection. Faith and love as a breastplate protects us. I don't have time to preach about that protection for your heart in these last days. That breastplate of faith and love. Don't lose your faith. Don't lose your love. It will protect your heart. But the verse lets us know also that there is protection for the mind. That as a helmet, we have the hope of salvation. Friend, you are not without protection in these last days. There is protection for your mind that you can wear as a helmet the hope of salvation. Don't become so distracted by what's happening around you that you lose sight of the fact that you have a helmet, the hope of salvation. That's how I'm not going to lose heart. I've got hope of salvation. Doesn't matter how bad this world gets. I've got the hope of salvation. If you're here this morning, you've never experienced salvation. Don't leave this house without the hope of salvation. You can be baptized this morning. In the name of Jesus, you can be filled with his spirit and you can walk out of these doors with protection. I feel the Holy Ghost. And that chapter goes on to say in verse 11, therefore comfort each other and edify one another. The best news this morning is that hope will ultimately win. That our hope stands the test of time and then lasts for eternity. And the greatest manifestation of hope is an eternal hope. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Titus 2, 13 says, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I come this morning with a simple message. There is hope in this house. You can hold on to a relentless hope. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through. And if you will make a commitment to keep walking. If you could be like Job, then you could say, I'm coming out of this. I don't care what the enemy says. I'm coming out of this because I'm not going to stop walking until I come out. On the other side, Job was greater than he had ever been. On the other side, Job had more than he ever had. He didn't stop walking. He was discouraged. But that's just part of life. He was disappointed, but that's just part of life. He was depressed at times, but that's just part of life. He didn't stop walking. So he could say with confidence, I shall come forth. I shall 
come forth. I'm not surrendering my hope to this situation. I shall come forth because I don't care what it feels like. I'm going to keep moving. I don't care what it feels like. I'm going to be faithful to the house of God. I don't care what it feels like. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop believing. I'm not going to stop being obedient. I'm going to keep walking. And one day I'm coming out of this. Can we stand all over this building? I've learned. I've learned that if you hold on to hope, hope will hold you up when you need it most. If you hold on to hope, Hope will hold you up when you need it most. My hope, your hope, will outlast every pain, will outlast every loss, will outlast every disappointment. Our hope will not succumb to any situation. It will not submit to any circumstance because our hope is eternal. Our hope is everlasting. Our hope will stand the test of times. But I believe in the Holy Ghost that somebody in this house needs a revival of hope in your life. The enemy's been attacking. In ways nobody even knows about. You need a revival of hope in your life. I say it one final time. There is hope in this house today. There's a hand of healing in this house today. You can get your hope back. You can get your passion back. You can get your purpose back. But don't leave this house the way you came today. Don't leave this house the way you came today. Let there be a revival of hope uh, in your life uh, that says, I'm coming out. Uh, I'm coming out. Uh, come on, old soldier. Uh, let there be a revival of hope uh, in your life. Uh, I'm walking through this, uh, and my hope uh, is going to outlast uh, this circumstance. Uh, there is hope uh, in this house. Uh, if you feel the Holy Ghost right now, uh, if you desire uh, a revival of hope, uh, why don't you step out right now? Uh, these altars are open. Uh, why don't you step out right now uh, and say, God, uh, let it be so uh, in my life. God, let there be a revival of hope in my spirit. God, allow me to have something happen in my life that changes the way I leave this house. Let there be hope. Let there be hope. Let there be hope in this house. Uh, uh, come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I'm not going to stop walking. In the name of Jesus, I'm not going to stop walking. In the name of Jesus, I'm not going to throw in the towel. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to walk until I walk out of this. In the name of Jesus. Uh, yes, God. Yes, God. See. Oh, come on. Something's happening. Something's happening in this house. Something apostolic is happening in this house. There's an outpouring of hope in the name of Jesus. There's an outpouring of hope in the name of Jesus. I'm not leaving the way I came this morning. I'm not leaving discouraged. I'm not leaving defeated. I'm not leaving disillusioned. I'm not leaving cast down. I'm leaving with hope. 
Yes, God. 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 Come on, that's it. Keep walking. Somebody needs to walk again. Somebody needs to get up and walk again. Somebody needs to get up and move again. Somebody needs to walk again. Yes, God. Yes, God. You are. 